Hey, hey, welcome back to episode 57 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Did you know that one of the biggest antidotes to burnout is creativity and flow? Research actually shows that individuals who experience a state of flow, that state of being completely absorbed and engaged in activity, they are less likely to experience burnout. Flow is like this protective film. It's against that chronic stress and burnout symptoms. But, you know, it's bi-directional. Burnout symptoms can also inhibit our ability to achieve that flow, to achieve real creativity. And I think people think about creativity as things that are going to slow you down. We think about them as like painting, knitting, drawing that require us to physically slow down. And yes, absorbing ourselves in sensory experiences, they can help us achieve that flow state and then soothe that autonomic nervous system. But creative endeavors don't have to be calm and quiet. We can also find rest in more energetic pursuits like dancing, TikToking, building a business, especially if what you need is emotional rather than physical rest. Working in big systems like education, it can be a really dehumanizing experience. We can feel devalued. We can feel ignored and unseen. And I often hear teachers talk about how they feel like they're just bodies in classrooms sometimes. So their unique skills and their needs are disregarded. Even worse, many you know, talk about how their basic human needs aren't met at work. They can't go to the potty when they need to. They don't have a lunch break, those sorts of things. So having a creative outlet is a chance to make your unique stamp on the world, even if nobody ever sees what you produce. You get to choose what and how you do it, and you can respond to your own sensory needs without having to ask for permission. And when I think about creativity, I think about how I accessed it, and I got really into making my classroom more efficient and more accessible when we were going through pandemic teaching. And you know what that led to? That led to me sharing what I was doing on TikTok, sharing my creations with other teachers around the world, and I became more passionate, more engaged in my own classroom and learning about teacher burnout and sustainability all the way around, which of course led me here on this podcast, supporting you guys. And you have no idea what this creation did, not only for my classroom and for my students, but for my well-being, my passion for the system of education. And I know that showing up on social media or creating resources for teachers, that's not for everybody, but I want you to know how powerful creating a side hustle can be for initiating some of that autonomy that maybe you don't have in the classroom, igniting that creativity to do what you love and enhance that financial self-care that we talked about back in episode 52 with Emily Moretsky. Like, I don't think that creating a business is for everyone, but it is a way to access some of that fun, some of that excitement, some of that flow that can help you get out of a rut in your teaching career. In fact, a survey completed by Gusto Incorporated demonstrated that starting a side hustle or a new business, this can be a proactive response to burnout because it provides us with the opportunity to pursue our passions, to gain that additional income, to have more control over our work lives. I'll be completely honest with you and I'll share with you that, you know, being a high achiever, any of those fabulous personality types that contribute to burnout, starting a side hustle is not going to make that go away. You'll probably fall back into the same overuse of those characteristics. Believe me, like I did that, it's still going to show up. But in this episode, I want to share more of my experience using my side hustle as my creative outlet, which led to more passion and more purpose along the way. And joining us in this episode is a special guest, Christina Welty. She is an educational consultant, a former teacher, a former administrator, and she's cracked the code on conquering the greatest challenges in student achievement through her business, 
Heart for Children. And she shares with us her experience in the classroom and how entrepreneurship led to reigniting her passion for education. But that's not all. Christina's expertise really doesn't stop there. She is a powerhouse in the education entrepreneurship world. So if you've been thinking about starting a side hustle to help you kind of overcome some of that burnout that you've been experiencing, tap into that creativity and autonomy that you've been missing, this episode's definitely going to help you give you that initial push to make your dreams a reality this summer. So what do you say? Let's get into it. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Before we get into chatting with our special guest, Christina, I want to give you just a little bit of background. like. I'm always trying to give you guys a little bit of extra push to get you out of your comfort zone, to do things differently so that you can really push past your fears and really find your passion and purpose that's going to get you out of that perpetual state of burnout. And I think a lot of teachers who experience burnout also experience a lack of self-confidence because of the stress they experience. So when I bring these different strategies or these different ideas to the podcast, it's always my hope that in doing so is going to leave you thinking, hey, maybe this could be me or maybe I have more power than I realize, or I've been kind of thinking about this, but I don't really know where to find more information. And not everyone who starts a side hustle is going to make a million dollars. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I made this lesson plan. Let me stick it on Teachers Pay Teachers and make a little extra money doing something that's fun for my classroom, but could be used by other teachers too. Like I scroll Teachers Pay Teachers. Like I need help getting some of the things done in my classroom sometimes. And I feel like we work better as a team. So if you've got ideas, I feel like you should share them. And maybe you just don't know what the steps are for that. But if you listen back at episode 37 with Natalie Blackman, she talked about how she loved getting kids engaged. And so she started selling some of the fun stuff that she was doing in her classroom to get her kids excited with classroom transformations. This was kind of like a win-win for her. She got to decorate. She got to transform her classroom into like glow parties and CSI style transformations, share them on social media. She got her kids involved and engaged in her classroom, but she also had fun. And she got to share that with other teachers. And we love that. We love to use other teachers' ideas. And that's pretty cool because it allowed her to use her strengths. It allowed her to use her interests, her passions, see a little side hustle cash flow too. And if this is something that you've been considering, I want you to have some behind the scenes support for using this as one of your tools if this is an area of interest for you, if autonomy is an area of value to you, if creativity is something you've been missing and wanting, if you want to reignite what you're doing in the classroom, this is a great avenue for this because a lot of what teachers do in the side hustle or entrepreneurship space, they do it because it's like creating a lesson plan. They get to teach other teachers to love their area of passion. They get to share their ideas 
so that other teachers aren't spending a ton of brain power just trying to reinvent the wheel. I believe that we all have ways of thinking and areas of strength that need to be shared. And sometimes just sharing your gifts with the world, that can give you some of the self-confidence that maybe you've been missing out on, that maybe you don't get to use your gifts in your classroom always. But this kind of gives you the opportunity to do that and be an expert, give you that leadership on your own time and inspire more teachers to do the things that you do. I think that purpose is an area that can be lost when we find ourselves in burnout. And so I'm a huge proponent for sharing those gifts with the world because I think I think we have the power to change more than we realize, and we have the opportunity to make what we're worth because that's always an area that you hear teachers say, like, we don't make enough money. Yeah, we don't, but we can. The education space, I feel like, needs our help. It needs to be reinvented. And so that's really the background on why I wanted to bring Christina Welty here today and allow you to meet her and hear what she says, because she's very good at what she does. Her voice is her power, and she definitely uses her area of strength to change the education space. And I I fully believe more teachers have the ability to do that as well. So if you're ready to get your mind rocked, if you want to start your side hustle this summer, Let's go meet Christina. Hey, Christina. Welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast. I'm excited to get to chat with you today. Hi, Brittany. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. It is truly an honor. Yeah. So I gave this awesome introduction to you earlier, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, What did your journey in public education look like? Absolutely. So first of all, I like to start with, I don't promote that people quit education, like quit the education system full time. I think that everyone has their own timeline. And I think everyone's time for taking a step away is just a personal decision, right? So for me, I was in public ed for over eight years. I started out um, as a core member with Teach for America. So I moved straight out of Austin here to Dallas, which is still where I am, um, to teach in an at-risk, low-income school here in South Dallas. And so during that time, I really, my eyes were really open to the inequities that exist in the education system, especially as a white woman who, you know, grew up in a very privileged area, got to go to private school, had an excellent education. And so that that was kind of the beginning, I would say, of my passion that drove my entire eight years in education. Um, Along the way, I just kept running into situations where I was like, how does this achievement gap exist? How does this opportunity gap exist? Like, how are we so under-resourced in these schools in with low-income populations? Um, in fact, I taught a theater class in which all of my sixth graders, most of them could not read. So my theater class ended up turning into a reading class, and that really jump-started my passion for closing the literacy gap. So I decided eventually I would go into school leadership, and that started with first going to teach fifth grade. I taught like so many subjects. like I basically taught every single grade level, um, reading, math, science. I'm passionate about it all. And so then I moved into reading intervention where I got to really continue, you know, that spark of closing reading gaps. I had really amazing student results and then finally ended with my two and a half years as an assistant principal. I got to found a school during that time. That was definitely an adventure, a whole other topic. And then when my daughter was born, that was when I decided, okay, it's time for me to take a step back and just launch my consulting agency full time because I wanted to be with her. 
Yeah. So I was listening to your story and I'm hearing all of these things that you did. I mean, you just, you really did it all. I mean, you went from teaching this to being an administrator, all of these different things. And what I hear with that is you had some values that aligned, but there was something still missing. So what does your journey in education look like right now in your education consulting agency? Yeah. So I think I kept running into this piece of anytime I thought I had solved a problem in the education system, I uncovered another problem. Yes. Yes. I was like, okay, I just have to keep working my way up through leadership. And and through that, I kind of discovered though that, you know, we tend to put band-aid fixes on things in the education system instead of creating long-term solutions. And so that was what really gave me the idea for my consulting agency to get to the heart of the matter, which directly ties into the name Heart for Children, um, which is named directly after my daughter, Hartley. So it all kind of goes into one, but I think that it's really unfair when, especially to teachers, when we create these solutions that aren't sustainable for them and with them in mind, right? So we talk about equity for students, which is much needed, but we also need to shift the conversation first over to equity for teachers because if we don't have an equitable, sustainable system for teachers, then there's no serving the students. And that's really the issue that I still see popping up as a consultant is we still haven't solved these more deeply rooted issues. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really cool is I heard you say this, heart. And mm-hmm. I, I I didn't really connect it until you said your daughter's name is Hartley. And that's my maiden name. So that's really cool. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there is actually like a lot of guilt. And I know that a lot of educators face this when they feel that their time has come to kind of take a step back. But there was a lot of guilt because for a long time, I had given my whole heart to serving other children. And yeah. I remember... Like in this, basically a year ago, exactly, I was just like sobbing in my bed because I didn't get to go back to a school of kids. And then that took me all the way back to like, I don't get to go back to like a classroom of kids. And then I was like, well, oh my gosh, like I have my own daughter here at home. Like, and that made me feel guilty, you know? And so it was really, honestly, it took me like a whole year to kind of work through the mindsets that were bogging me down with that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because we we are so conditioned for so long to a certain degree of self-sacrifice. And again, I don't regret those years of sacrifice. Like they were the eight most fulfilling years of my life ever. I don't regret them. I think that that's one of the beautiful things that sets educators aside. But I also think it's one of the things that's preventing the education system from being more sustainable for teachers because it's an unspoken expectation, right? And mm-hmm. and so that guilt actually infiltrates even as like into our education businesses. Yeah. You know, like you were talking about how, and I, I said that about you, maybe you've had these aligned values, but then there was something missing. Um, I know so many teachers who feel that way. They're like, you know, if I could fix this problem, it would get better. Or if I could fix that problem, it would get better. And they kind of downplay their strengths and not realizing that they don't have to be stuck in an education system if that's not where their values lie anymore. If their values lie at home with their child mm-hmm. and they can use their strengths and their values and what they their experience in the classroom and then bring that to 
make a bigger impact, there is that ability to do so. And I, I think that's kind of where we're going with this this um, episode is you created your consulting agency and you were able to do all of these amazing things for your income, for the impact with the students, mm-hmm. with education, with your life. And um, so first off, I have to know this. How did you connect? <laughs> How did you connect with customers and kind of move into working with other businesses and schools and things like that? Yeah. So my answer to that question actually starts like four years ago. I started my kind of, I guess, gig as an entrepreneur while I was an assistant right towards the end of like my reading intervention role and then going into becoming an assistant principal. So I had a female entrepreneurship community. Um, It was a paid membership program. And during that time, I like partnered with over 140 plus like different female owned businesses to provide resources to my membership. And essentially all of my members were like, hey, Christina, we want you to teach us like how did you land like 30 plus, you know, paying members inside of this program. So essentially I took a second and as any teacher would, it's like, hey, what was my method for this? Like if I were to write a lesson plan on it, you know, what is it? And as it turns out, I'd essentially created an entire like marketing and sales funnel framework to sell my services. And so that same framework that I came up with, you know, four years ago, I call it my six-figure funnel framework, I use to this day to help other education entrepreneurs find and land, you know, the clients of their dreams. So what I've discovered is, you know, a lot of us as educators, we rely on our in-person connections and people that already know us in our network. And that would be what we called what we call warm traffic. So it's people that already know us, already have a relationship built. And so typically though, you know, our sales copy, which is anything written on our website, anything on mm-hmm. our Instagram, anything that somebody can read about us, that is not geared towards our cold traffic, which are people that need to build a relationship with us, right? Before they want to buy from us. And so that's essentially what my framework does. So I use my same framework to do that in my own business as I do um, for other education entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. So you, you met a lot of people through your membership. And then what you do is you put them you you find your your cold leads and your warm leads and do you do any advertisements because you know one of the things that i have noticed about you know i i scroll through tiktok uh-huh. and there'll there'll be they'll th- be things that come up and it'll be from a business person and they're like i made you know $100,000 or i made a million dollars and right. it's like how do they do that and mm-hmm. i think a lot of those people that are saying that they made all of this money are often putting like a ton of money into advertising, you know, like oh, for they're, sure. they're doing that. So you met these people organically, like just yes. making those connections. Yes, no ads. Um, I just recently started creating a budget for ads. My entire last year, nothing was built on ads. Yeah. So it's a really big misconception that funnels are complicated and that you have to pay for ads and a bunch of landing pages. Like that is totally not true. Um. I think that as educators, because we're so resilient, we expect that like it's going to take a long time to build our education business. And the reality is when you have an aligned marketing and sales funnel, it's not going to take you all that time. So I think it's important to define a funnel because most of us actually already have steps in a funnel in place that you might 
not just know our funnel, right? Right. So a funnel is a thoughtful journey that you create for your dream client so that they can build trust with you and minimize risk over time. Your warm traffic is going to come to you and be like, boom, I'm ready to buy. And that Mm -hmm. could be like leads that have found you through Instagram, through keyword searches, or through traffic online, right? And then you have your cold traffic, though, that really needs that warming up. I have clients who a year later, or potential clients who a year later, they've been in my marketing funnel for that long, and then they say, okay, I'm finally ready to buy from you, Christina. So examples of steps that you might already have, social media, right? Everything you post in your Instagram feed, what you talk about on your Instagram stories, your website landing pages, those are steps in your funnel, right? If you have an email list and you send out a weekly newsletter, that's a step in your marketing funnel. The difference is your sales funnel starts the moment somebody pays you, right? And the mistake that I see a lot of educators making is they're posting all of their offers for the world to see. And they have a bajillion different options for things that they can purchase in the sales funnel. And the reality is your cold traffic isn't ready to choose between those things yet. So one of the things within my framework that I coach you to do is what are the offers that you actually need to have in front of your audience to make those sales? And so that choice overload is what prevents a lot of us from landing those new clients. Yeah. And so we've got a new teacher. Okay. Mm-hmm. She she is ready to do something because she she's creating all of these things in her classroom. You know, like and I have a lot of people that come onto the show that have built a business that are still teachers, that are still working as an educator, but they're just monetizing what they've created to make it like a like TPT or something like that. And so when we see these things, what would be the first thing that you would tell a new teacher who has created all these things but has never put anything online before? Yeah. So I would encourage them instead of continuing to create all this content, use a lot of your creative energy, especially with freebies. I see more than any other industry, us as educators are the ones rolling out the endless freebies. And that's because we love to give. And Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing. There is nothing wrong with serving. The problem comes though, when you give people the illusion that they can use all your freebies and do what you do to the level that you do it, right? When in reality, like they need you to be able to execute whatever it is they're trying to execute, whatever your area of expertise is. And so what ends up happening is educators are giving the how-to, which is very natural for us because we're teachers, instead of educating our audience on why they need us, right? And so, and instead of making them aware of why their pain point or why their problem exists. So my word of advice would be have First of all, have one freebie. Mm -hmm. Second of all, if that freebie isn't converting like the way that you want it to, really take a look at it and do an audit and ask yourself if you're giving away too much or too little value inside of that freebie. Oftentimes, it's one of those two things. If they find too much value, then they have no reason to purchase from you. If they find too little value, they also have no reason to purchase from you, right? Yeah. Because if they feel like they can get everything free from that one thing, then there's no reason for them to want to take the next step in your marketing funnel and then into your sales funnel. Yeah. So, okay. We've got this teacher. She is a math teacher. She has made all of these resources for her own students, and now she wants to monetize them. So she creates this freebie. 
and she is going to have like just a random worksheet. Okay, like random worksheet that's got some some type of value in it. Um, she's talking about the things that she creates and then she posts them to her website. You're saying, I'm trying to break this down for people who've never heard of any course, marketing. Of course. You know, so they the person gets the freebie. Then they start having this weekly newsletter. They're mm-hmm. they're posting about all these different math things that they're doing in their classroom right now. So these aren't just these aren't people who have left the classroom. These are people who are in the classroom. So they're just sharing what they did. You know, this week in my math class, my algebra class, we did A, B, and C, and then they're linking to their product. They're mm-hmm. the thing that they've worked on, the way the thing that they've created. My friend Natalie has like. Tri- classroom transformations. So she might would put, put her classroom transformations. And then over time, they are monetizing what they have already created. Am I understanding all of that correctly? Yes. So oftentimes on Teachers Pay Teachers, like the sellers are not charging enough money right. for a lot of the things that they're doing. Yeah. Um, now I am no Teachers Pay Teachers expert. I also have my stuff on there, but I charge like hundreds of dollars for a unit bundle. Right. So like things like that versus also like you have to think about it, which this is very hard for educators to do, but you have to think about it in the frame of mind that while you're spending an hour writing this newsletter and then sure, you might have already put it together for your kids. Like there's a teacher out there that's just using all your stuff for free. Yeah. And they're not having to put in the time, but you're putting in the time. Mm -hmm. And This is the thing that educators struggle with because they're like, oh, well, I want to help, right? But the reality is when you put boundaries around your time and money and you charge your worth, whether that be through your TPT products or through a higher ticket package that you sell, right, people are going to see that and go, I want that. Like, because ultimately when we don't do that, it's a form of, you know, a lack of self-care. Yeah. Um, And it's deepening are burnout. So I would say if you're already using those resources in your classroom and you're posting them like that, okay, but up the prices. If you are creating them strictly for the sake of selling them, one, (laughs) don't create them unless you know you're going to sell this, unless you know that the the product or the service is going to sell. That's the other thing I always say. Like if you're going to put together this 20 page ebook, don't put together the 20 page ebook until you've written the landing page for it <laughs> to see if people are going to buy this, to see if there's interest, right? Because otherwise, same for a course, you waste all this creative energy before you even know if it's going to sell. So right. that that's really the other thing that, you know, I would say TPT sellers and anyone that has an education business can do to save yourself some energy. Yeah, and I kind of want to backtrack just a little bit because creative endeavors can really be a piece that allows teachers to or anybody in general to release the stress. So when we when we have these creative endeavors or we want to make a change or we have this passion within us that we want to do something a little bit different, right? We want to we want to just veer the course just a little bit or make what we're worth. Um starting a business isn't just 
you just throw your hands up in the air and you just hope and see where they fall. You have to be a little bit intentional with it too. That way that your passion and purpose comes through with the products that you're selling. So um, I I totally agree with that because the reality is that oftentimes our businesses are are our creative outlet. Yeah. So if that's the purpose that it's serving for you, awesome. But if you're genuinely wanting, and I've ran across a lot of educators like that, and that's great. If you want to give away your services for free, that's your choice. But what I will tell you is the main reason educators aren't making enough money is because they're not facing their fear around pricing their worth. So like my clients sell 3K to you, I mean, 15K packages, 50K contracts with schools. I mean, there is big money out there if you're wanting to sell like your expertise Mm -hmm. in a service package. And the thing is, if you're giving all of that expertise away in low ticket offers, which is often what educators do. They have a $27 this, a $97 this, a $179 this, right? Then why does anyone have a reason to buy your high ticket offer if they're getting everything they need? In- From the lower ticket. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's really up to the individual to decide what it is that they're wanting to get out of their business, but it is a thousand percent doable to build your business while you are working like full-time in education. In fact, I don't think there's been a better time to do it because you can supplement your your side hustle with money that you're earning from your full-time job to really invest in the things that you want to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, teachers are also notorious for this imposter syndrome, right? What gave you the confidence to really launch your education consulting agency? So first of all, it was my faith. Like I'm a prayer person. So I really think that whether for you, that's like your faith in the Lord or like a sense of direction and peace um, or an alignment with like the things happening around you, I think indicators of like, you know, things you might be going through personally. I mean, for me, the birth of my daughter, I was like, I want to prioritize her and my hours didn't support that. I was getting to see her for an hour and a half a day. So when she was four months old, so it just honestly did not make sense. So that's the first thing. I think you have to decide like on your own personal timeline what your timing is, right? Yeah. The second thing is ditching the lie that like you have to get certain things in order first or like you have to figure XYZ out before you can launch a successful business, right? And for my clients, this is where the six-figure funnel framework comes into play. There are lots of coaches, in addition to myself, that know how to help you set up a business and get it off the ground in a shorter amount of time. My clients, I have clients that have made 8K in three weeks, mm-hmm. 20K in two and a half months. Like It is not unheard of to do those things when you have a strategy in place to do it. And I am someone that also like hired a coach to work through I that imposter syndrome essentially because for me it was that guilt that was causing that. It was that guilt of oh I left full-time education like oh and like I even went back to like my canvas that I worked on previously and people would be like, "Oh, Miss Welty, you look so well rested." And like that comment alone girl, you are. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know. And that comment alone, though, would like trigger that guilt. And similar to what you said a while back, right? 
I had to remind myself, everybody has this choice if they want it, if just like in any other industry, right? But in education, it's just, luckily, I was very supported by the district that I was at. They saw my mental health. They knew what I needed. Like, they did not look down upon that. And I think that's the other thing that helps me to overcome my imposter imposter syndrome was just like talking to people and opening up about where I was at. But essentially it was working through that guilt and then using like this, the framework that I knew would work to make money. And um, it's just a giant misconception that funnels have to be complicated. They're really, really not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, and I know there's at least one teacher listening to this episode thinking, um, but I don't really have time. You know, I'm still teaching. What would you say to someone that's wanting to start their business while working full time? I would say it does take an extra like slice of your week, right? For yeah. me, um, I think when I first became an entrepreneur four years ago, similar to what you described, like I used, it was a creative outlet for me. I loved mm-hmm. having a community of other female entrepreneurs. I loved providing them with resources to help run their business. Like I loved celebrating other, you know, women business owners. And then eventually that transitioned to, okay, I want to really like create my lifestyle around this. Like I want to be, be able to make money that I wouldn't be able to make otherwise. And I want to be able to save for a down payment for a house. Like I want to be able to start my daughter a savings account. Like all these things that I wanted to do that require extra cash. And I always say your revenue is an indicator of your impact, right? Like, so your why is not for the money. I don't do what I do for the money. I do what I do because I'm passionate and I care about others getting results. Yeah. If I'm doing that well, I'm making really good money. <laughs> and that's what I mean by your revenue has the ability to showcase your impact. And it's really just a matter of someone making that decision of, yeah, you know what? It's going to require extra time, but this is going to allow me to create the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Oh, wow. So I love what you said there because I know that there are teachers that are so burned out by what they're doing right now. And they just need something to put their passion into, to build something that they can physically see. I know so many teachers who struggle with the the income that they're making that's really impacting their burnout too. And the way that you really framed all of that just now is really powerful to show somebody, hey, if you've got this passion, if you, if you have these things that you want to do, you can live that life that you want to live by starting a business by doing something for yourself and not and and bring that value to other educators everywhere. So that's just really powerful. Um, it is. I mean the most shocking still it's so shocking to me when I encounter this and and my clients say the same thing that like wow, I actually get to be paid my worth, right? Because yeah. We're so used to that not being a feasible thing for us. And mm-hmm. that ends up a lot of the times influence right. I've seen for our products and our services without even realizing it because yeah. we're used to doing things not on a pay scale comparable to doctors, to lawyers, to scientists. I mean, to people that are making change in the world. And that's what educators do. do. Is we're right. We're preparing the next generation. And so sometimes it's hard 
to break those mindsets of like uh, of being able to get paid what you're deserved. And you and that's what I was saying when I had to face that guilt too. And and then eventually it turns into, you know what? I'm not going to take an opportunity <laughs> with anyone that doesn't pay yeah. me what I deserve. And that's really when the game changer happens because then once you start accepting that, then you start the clients that want to pay you what you're charging come to you. And mm-hmm. why is that? Because you were able to stick to your boundaries. And that's attractive to people. That's attractive. And it's it's hard in the education system to stick to those boundaries. It really is. And so my whole point is to the teachers listening, don't beat yourself up for that. It's very normal. Any teacher I talk to that starts their own business goes through this transition with this mindset. Yeah. Oh, wow. Christina, thank you so much for just bringing your experience from building a business, from being in, you know, a classroom teacher, an administrator, all of the literal things. Yes. <laughs> you know, for those listeners who want to learn more from you and about you, can you share like where they can find you, where you're most active, any like of your paid services? Like what what do you provide for these teachers who want to be entrepreneurs? Of course. I would absolutely love nothing more than for you to go to www.heartforchildren.com and it will take you to my 19-page $0 ebook, 10 Overlooked Strategies to Book Out Your Education Services. And by book out, I do not mean working 40 hours a week. I mean working 10-hour weeks making five-figure months because that is what I do and that is what my clients do. So it is very possible. So 19 pages of golden goodness that is yours. And then I'm most active, I would say, on social media. So you can also find me um, at my Instagram handle, Heart for Children, spelled H-A-R-T. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put the links for all of that in the show notes for those new teacherpreneurs (laughs) to go and check out. Um, And Thank you again for being a part of the podcast and for sharing all of your knowledge and experience with us. Yes. Thank you so much, Brittany, for everything that you do for teachers. I'm blessed to get to be a small part of your world today. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tap me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode.